cave without it. I'll be there with the hammers of justice. And make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do. God, now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Let's dance, bozo. Hello, and welcome to Gotham City Limits, your premier podcast for all things Batman. He is Vengeance, he's the Knight, I'm M, and that's Autumn. Hello. I'm a little under the weather today, uh, so I might sound bad. I'm doing my best to fake it. Um... <laughs> um. We it's both been watched. Oh, uh, it's been three weeks because this podcast <laughs> yeah. never happens. Yes. One was you having a, a legit reason, and one was me just not feeling up to it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah. fine. It's fine. Um. So fuck Batman. Harley Quinn's back. Fuck Batman. <laughs> also, uh, fuck the macaroni. Who was that guy? Yeah, the macro. I think it's the macaroni. Yeah, yeah. He's Alfred <laughs> wearing a goofy getup. <laughs> um. Yeah, Harley Quinn's back. It's better than ever. I don't know, better than ever, but it's really fucking good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the the first three episodes of season three dropped last season. Harley and Ivy. <laughs> Harley ruined Ivy's wedding to Kite Man, and they ran away together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now they are a couple. Everyone's like everyone's hot gossip ticket item. Uh, they're still dealing with the part where they are very dysfunctional. They both need a lot of therapy, really. They both need a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, and uh, some misadventures as that's happening, and the world settling. And this uh, this season has a new showrunner. Um, the current oh. sh- the last showrunner left, and they got two people. Uh, they specifically like shook up the writing staff to make it more like queer friendly. Cause they're like, well, it was a bunch of guys writing this fucking thing. And we, we now have a show that's literally about like two of the most famous lesbians in superhero fiction. So we should probably do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the tone did feel a little, a little different, not substantially, but I, not enough that I would have guessed that there was a shakeup, mm-hmm. but like now that you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, there's some stuff that felt a little different this time around. Yeah. I thought these three episodes were fucking incredible. I thought they were so good. Specifically, um, like one was fine, a lot of table setting, but two and three were both amazing. Yeah, one was like, okay, so here's like what the conflict this season is going to be, but then two and three were just like in the status quo, and I'm eating this shit up. <laughs> I could I could listen to this version of Bane do literally anything. <laughs> He's so fucking funny. I loved him the last two seasons, but just the like the bits that he gets in this season are so fucking good. Also, I just it's so funny how like we all kind of decided that him being like vaguely kind of sort of Mexican was bad, and so we we're all just going to make fun of um Bane voice uh, instead. Bane yeah. voice now. It's great. Yeah. Um <laughs> We got rid of uh, 
Captain Psycho? Is that that fucking awful guy's name? Yeah. So Dr. Since he, Psycho? Doctor, since he's like fully gone, it's now just Clayface and King Shark as like the B team. And that's great because I love those guys. They're, yeah. they're wonderful. I'm wondering if like Bane is going to get folded into that part of the crew at God, some point. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> Because um, like those three as an engine for B plots, while Harley and Quinn are doing uh, Harley and Ivy are doing A plots, that's great. <laughs> so their whole thing is they're wrapped up in a film production of James Gunn's, played by actual James Gunn's new biopic um, on the life of Thomas Wayne, played by Billy Bob Thornton, voicing himself. Because that's what happens in your HBO Max show; you can get the big guns. <laughs> um, and they're just on like. Uh, Clayface wants to be an actor, but he's currently uh, um, James Gunn's chair. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised how much uh, I enjoyed James Gunn here. Um, he seems like like I I have a I don't like Guardians very much. I think when he says things, they're often very stupid in like a publicity sense. Uh, I like the Suicide Squad movie, and I think he's mostly game to be clowned on in a way that I appreciate. Yeah, it was specifically the um, when I was writing those Scooby Doo movies, some throwaway gag about that. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. good, he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, um, I like those Scooby Doo movies, but I'm sure that he looks back at them like not. Like I said, <laughs> I, I really like the Suicide Squad movie too, so I assume that's why they picked him for this. Yeah. Um, um and then um, Nightwing comes back. Fucking Nightwing's here. <laughs> And he's like kind of he's kind of Titans Nightwing, which is the best part because he because Batman's yes. here and Batman's Diedrich Bader doing his Batman shit. And I love it. I eat it up. I love it. It's so good. But mm. um, it means that Dick comes across as like desperately trying to be Batman as hard as possible at all times. And it's like a very goofy read on Nightwing that I like a lot because he just can't yes. do it. <laughs> and I was. I was like, oh, this kind of feels like um, a little bit of Titan's Nightwing. And mm -hmm. then when he's like, well, I failed one time, time to kill myself. I was like, oh, this is a parody of Titan's Nightwing. All right. Yes. Um, and he's really sad that everyone moved on without him. He's like, why, why is there a bat? Why is there a Batgirl in the Batcave? And because um, this is like Burnside Barb or whatever, which is not a series I've read. But, you know, Batgirl's mm -hmm. not an inherent part of the team. And uh, Damien's around and Nightwing's been gone for years. So it's very confused by teen Damien. Um, and it's just good. The vibe is great. There's a whole bit where when Batman finds out that they're making the Thomas Wayne biopic starts doing this huge rant about like what it's like to, you know, have your dad murder. <laughs> and Damien <laughs> just pulls out his phone and starts playing video games. On his... <laughs> As if he's heard this a dozen times, can't be bothered. <laughs> His Batman is so good. Also, just <laughs> um, Harley and Batgirl like meeting up and being like, "Oh yeah, we both took the team so, to an escape yeah, room." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they both go to escape room to try to bolster team unity because uh, Team Harley's also having trouble with this, and it turns out to be a saw trap by the Riddler, and it's really funny and good. <laughs> Also, Riddler, um, I did not expect him to just let them actually walk away when they saw the escape room, but he's just like, yeah, okay. It's great. I love that. I love their version of Riddler. He's very silly. Yeah. Um, and then the third episode is the Villi Villies? The Villain Awards. Yes. Um, and the whole thing is the Jokers presenting, and Harley and Ivy are shoe-ins for best couple, and they're feeling so a way about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just like it's just an endless parade of goofy jokes about villains. Yes. There's a whole bit. It opens with a skit of Joker. Uh, oh my god! Beating Jason Todd to death, and he's interrupted by his call to come on, come to the award ceremony, and then bloody Jason Todd does like a goofy dance, <laughs> and it's like the intro <laughs> to the awards. I thought for a second it was gonna be like a B plot of like. Oh, Joker is like making everything about him because he shows up late and blah blah blah. But no, when it transitions into that was all the like uh, SNL opening like <laughs> skit or whatever. It's unhinged. <laughs> uh, and then um, um, also, Joker's still living with that woman and her two kids. Yes, <laughs> I yes. love that about him. There's a callback to it, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when the Joker lost the memory. It's a normal man with a, you know, single mother girlfriend and her two kids. Also, he's like, you know, we're co-parenting. We don't like to gender it in that sort of way. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, um, but uh, there's a whole bit where Catwoman's given the uh, the Joe Chill Achievement Award. Just like a, you didn't do anything. It's like a consolation prize. She gets up there and she's like. You only gave me this because I'm the only black villain you guys know. Uh, <laughs> it's na- This is named after a white guy. This is to assuage your white guilt. Black Manta's been out here for decades, and he's never won a goddamn thing. Uh, and everyone turns to Black Manta, who's an Aquaman villain who's wearing a full diving suit, and goes, you're black? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, Riddler and Clock King are a couple, and it's the where she turns around and goes, "Hey, Riddler and Cock King," and he's like, "Oh, Cock King's the other guy." <laughs> Fucking lost it. It's Kite. so good. <laughs> also, Kite Man is only here because he won a uh, an award at the Technical Phillies. Oh, right, yes. <laughs> God. Or no, he didn't won. He didn't win. He got nominated, and Cock King won, or yes. whatever. <laughs> um. It's just full of goofy jokes. I was so pleased. I had such a great time with these. Yeah, I was too. I almost, I almost like rewatched uh, episode three like after finishing it. I was like, I just <laughs> want to, like, watch it again. It's yeah. Um, if you have not seen the show, um, it's really good. It's like incredibly violent, and they swear a lot. I don't think people care about the swearing. The violence might be a little over the top for some, but I just think it's so fucking good. It has a lot yeah. of heart. Really understands yeah. why these characters are fun. Um, I think, like, if you watch the first episode and are put off by it, I was too. Um, I still think it's worth getting pushing through. It gets much better. It goes on. Yeah, I definitely, I could see somebody, like, watching a little bit of season one and thinking this is all, like, edgelord shit. It mm. is not edgelord shit, you know? Yeah. Um, The most it ever does is, like, oh, isn't it funny to, like, break a bunch of limbs or something? But that's not, I don't know. <laughs> It's funny. It's like screwball comedy shit. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the bit where on their like honeymoon, whatever, uh, Harley Quinn just keeps murdering people to impress Ivy and Ivy's increasingly like, I don't I don't actually do this. I'm not a murder lady. I'm like a science lady, kind of. There's yeah, a bit where they run across uh, Amanda Waller and Harley's like, oh, we're the baddest villains around. And she's like, your girlfriend has not done a villainous thing in six years. <laughs> She's just a sad plant lady. <laughs> also, Amanda Waller just doing her thing of like, I guess I'll just ruin their lives today, flip yeah. them off and leave. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited the show's back. It's nice. I am too. And like, <clears throat> I like that it's like kind of low stakes. I imagine mm-hmm. like the end of the season, there will be a like, there will be a like, oh, they almost break up and then they don't. I would be happy if the show just like became a sitcom, you know, and we just lived in the status quo for four seasons. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we should talk about Batman. Oh yeah. I read a, I read a comic. I do have a comic. Oh yeah. I read Selena's big score. Um, the, uh, Darwin cook. Oh, I love this. Um, uh, yeah. Um, it was pretty good. I was surprised. Um, I don't think I've read it since I was in high school, so I don't remember a damn thing except just like. It's got good vibes, you know? Yeah. It's really funny because it has um it has such a vibe of like we're just doing the pastiche of noir stuff in a mm-hmm. way that's very funny to me. I feel like Darwin Cook is like someone who's who's seen a lot of cartoons aping noir things, but is not like a noir guy in a way that like when you read an Ed Brubaker book, you're like, oh, this guy just watches too much noir. Like, he does. <laughs> you need to, like, get a new hobby, my guy. Um, <laughs> and when you get, when, like, Frank Miller, like, you know, he's got a lot of problems. You read Sin City, and that's a guy who understands noir and, like, can turn into his own thing by, like, really. Right. Not, I wouldn't call it elevating, but putting his own spin on the idea of what noir is. Like, I really like Sin City. I think it's pretty cool. Um, and this is just, like, it's just goofy. It just feels like a little, like, slapdash about faking it but it also it's a really cool like heist with like a grizzled detective guy and another Mm. grizzled assassin guy and big heist and multiple people die and catwoman looks grim and is like i don't know what love is and rides off into the sunset it's sick it's all the things you want (laughs) yeah it it is that um it's weird because darwin cook did a lot of like noir type books like he did Mm. a really good uh the spirit series that even like Mm. crossed over with Batman at some point. Mm. Um, Like he did a bunch of noir stuff like, Oh, Parker is the other thing, but yeah, it always comes off like a little more cartoony than like most other noir comics. I read. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I mean that complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, what I think of like Brubaker is the guy I go to for this and his is just so like, you know, not grimy, but it's just got this very like matter of fact, hard boiledness to it that this yes. just doesn't have. This is so. This is like. Uh, let's say like I like New Frontier. New Frontier feels like it comes by this honestly because it's about like, you know, a futurist earnestness that has its mm-hmm. own like problems. But it's like in the it, I understand where that's coming from, and that applied to like a, a thief story is kind of weird. Um, tonally, I, it's not bad. I like I said, I enjoyed yeah. it quite a bit. Um, it was a cool book. It's also just great seeing a Darwin Cook like thing. It's like a whole book done. Yes. Um, yes. There aren't that many of them in the world. Uh, no. <clears throat> so um, uh, yeah. that was my one thing. Um, I was like, I should go and read the rest of uh, the Catwoman run after that. But I have not done that. I, I, I have never done it either. I read the first two, three issues maybe. And I always told myself, I'll get back to this. And then... um just never do so yeah it goes immediately into the brubaker cook like catwoman volume three yeah 2002 so yeah um i remember the the bit i dipped my toes into really liking but 
<clears throat> I haven't ever like really do- dove into that. <clears throat> so, um, okay, now we can get into our episode. Our episode this week is Day of the Samurai, uh, the forty-fourth episode of Batman the Animated Series. This was written by Steve Perry, directed by Bruce Tim, animation services by Blue Pencil SI. Uh, it aired February 23rd, 1993. Autumn, what happens in this episode? A young woman training in a dojo um, is kidnapped by Kyodai Ken, and um, Bruce Wayne's old sensei calls him to Japan to um, bring Kyodai Ken in. <laughs> um, uh, Bruce explains to Alfred that I have to do this because of my giri. <laughs> uh, sorry, my giri. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, have you ever have you ever watched the Naruto dub? Uh, I watched it when it was on Toonami when I was like very young. It's been a long, long time. So the thing about the Naruto dub is uh, Yuri Lowenthal voices Sasuke, and he's right. like the one nerd who knows seemingly knows just enough Japanese to really hit the words in exactly the way that Bruce Wayne does in every word in the show. (laughs) (laughs) Just that, just that like insufferable, like vague bordering on like exoticized. You hit those Japanese words just way too hard for a white guy. Uh, And it's wild every time Bruce Wayne's doing it. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) So, um, Bruce explains that he has to do this because of his uh, giri and um, <laughs> that Kyodai Ken uh, or, or Bruce's old sensei is the guardian of an ancient scroll that gives you the, the five fingered death touch or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that Kyodai Ken is going to try and like hold this woman hostage um, in exchange for the scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, so Batman how did Batman get to Japan? Who could possibly say? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, Batman goes and confronts Kyodai Ken, and he saves uh, Kaidi. Kaidi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Kyodai gets the scroll, and he goes, and he goes to this mountain cave, um, and he gets the scroll, and it's a 500-year-old piece of paper. It fucking disintegrates into dust in his hands. <laughs> But he does get what he needs to do the to do the death touch. Um, and so Bruce is like, oh, how am I going to um, like combat this? And he's talking to the sensei about like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, Kyodai Ken takes Alfred hostage and they go fight at a volcano. Um, Kyodai thinks that he kills Bruce, but Bruce was just wearing a bulletproof vest, so it's fine. Um, and the... He like gets in a few good hits on Kyodai Ken. The volcano starts to erupt, and uh, Bruce tries to save him, but uh, the the other guy is like, "I would rather die than be saved by you," and so he dies in the lava. And uh, Batman and Alfred are like, "Oh, well, that's kind of fucked up. Let's go home." And yeah. um, <laughs> the sensei is like, "Hey, if you see that Batman guy, who you definitely aren't, I know that you're not that guy. If you see him, say, let him know I said thank you. <laughs> that you're the true. That he, Batman is the true samurai. <laughs> oh, right. The other thing is that Batman is like, am I a ninja or am I a samurai? As if that is a, <laughs> a dichotomy that matters or is real. Yes. Yes. 
It's so fucking funny. The the perception of ba- uh, samurai and uh, ninja are just like Jedi and Sith in this universe. <laughs> um. So yeah, this episode is like kind of ridiculous, over the top, racist. The way that the last Kyodai Ken episode was. This but is the such a better episode. <laughs> this <laughs> fucking episode. rocks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit where they go to the practice dummy and the sensei is like, I never, I never learned the death touch because I'd, I'd be afraid that I would use it. And uh, th- then they're looking at the thing and they're like, where could it be? It could be a touch anywhere. It could be on a, it could be on the shoulder. It could be on the foot. It could be anywhere. And then Batman looks at the dummy for like 30 seconds and goes, well, the so- he really softened up this one spot right over the heart where you would think a death touch would be. <laughs> so I'm going to protect that part. <laughs> Is it the most obvious? If you ask me where a death touch is, I'm going to say, yeah, right on the chest. Obviously. When he gets the scroll, he's like, oh, I never would have thought it would be there. And I was like, oh, so they're going to do it on like, they're going to do like, oh, he's going to touch his hip and it's going to be like this big reveal. But no, it's the heart. Of course it's the heart. (laughs) It's exactly where you would put something like that. Well, and um, it's exactly where the bat logo is. And so what I thought the bit was going to be is that like, oh, the bat logo is always there. freed for us. Yeah, which is, which is a, a thing I just, like, I've always, I think that's from Dark Knight Rises, maybe? Where yeah, he's like, the, the big the big target is the most reinforced part of my suit. Right. That's why I have a big logo there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels then, like yeah, some Frank like, Miller shit to me. So. He pulls up his shirt and there's just a bulletproof vest under there. <laughs> Yes. Um, um. He does like his the way in which he dies, where his eyes roll up in his head and he like collapses, has always been really striking to me. I'm like, man, you just really went for it. Made everyone think you were just legitimately dead. <laughs> the animation in general in this episode was really good. I thought they really went yeah. all out. <clears throat> um. This company only does this episode, and if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? So. Oh wow. Yeah, that's it for them. I think they were just a fill-in studio, though. Huh. Yeah, they had so much trouble going through studios in the show, so. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, But yeah, no, this episode's got way more. I mean, one, they have a giant fight on, like, the side of a burning volcano. It's the fucking sickest shit in the world. Um, they also, um, they have a fight in what is not Tokyo, but is, like, Frank Miller circa 1987's imagination of what Tokyo might look like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty sick. Uh, why isn't there like a cool like 60s, 70s Batman in Japan storyline that someone's made? It's weird, right? Because Wolverine has gotten like eight of yeah. those storylines. Yeah, exactly. But... <laughs> I, I feel like Batman is a great fit for that. Um, yeah. You even get the stuff of like, you know, pre pre like Japanese bubble economy, but Bruce Wayne coming in doing like urban development and like mod scene in the sixties, like the fashion and the iconography and stuff of that era is all there to be really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, someone should make that retro story. I just think it'd be cool. That's all. Yeah. Batman versus Tokyo drifter. Someone one shot. Let's go. Oh my God, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> And you, you get that comic, you know, they're, they're not going to fight. They're going to team up halfway in. It'll be fine. And they do. And you'll be like, yeah, it's great. I love it. Of course. He's going to sing the song. Batman's going to learn to whistle the song. That's what matters. <laughs> I could absolutely hear Kevin Conroy, like, whistling the song at the end of this, like, the two-parter that is this uh, Batman the Animated Series version of this. 
Um, I'm trying to think of other good stuff. Um, also, it's one. It's really funny that um, like Batman is overpronouncing every Japanese word. It's also yes. really funny that uh, Alfred has seemingly never heard anybody speak Japanese in his life. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no alfred uh weird in this this version of alfred just fucking weird that's all that's it's, it's just fine. weird he's just a weird guy um <clears throat> um i'm trying to think of other stuff I, I already hit on it's so weird the way that the the sensei is like we all know you're Batman. I'm not going to say it for whatever fucking reason, but I know, and you know I know. <laughs> but also, the student doesn't catch on. The student is like, do you no, think no, Batman no. will fight him? And Bruce is like, Batman does as he will, but I suspect he'll try probably go fight him. <laughs> <laughs> Most obvious shit in the world. Uh, yeah, Batman does as he will is the most, like, evil thing Bruce Wayne's ever said, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Batman moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> God. Um, that's everything I've got. This is the, this is the last Kyoto Ken, right? He's, like, super dead. Oh, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Okay. No more of him. Yeah. Um, um, I think I think Kyrie briefly appears in a Batman Beyond episode. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it. Next week we're going to be talking about Terror in the Sky, which is a Man Bat episode. I haven't seen oh, that guy in a minute. Yeah, Man Bat. I'm so used to just seeing him whenever uh, Batman bumps into. <laughs> whenever <him>. there's <laughs> another adorable monster, and they go, "Bud Kirk's Langston, did you do this?" He's like, "No, it's not me." This time it might just be him. I then we have guy. the week after that. We have literally one of the best episodes of the show. So what's the week after? Almost got him. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah. Oh fuck yes! Yeah. Okay. Genuinely, maybe the best one of the uh, top three, easy. I think probably one of the best episodes of the whole like DCAU project. I would. That's really hard. That's apples and oranges. I'd feel weird about it. <laughs> it. Well, we'll get to it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find you online? You can find me online at EM underscore being on Twitter. You can find all my podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. We just put out an episode on uh, Survival Kids, the Game Boy Color game for our uh, game club of Normal Mapping, the best game dot club. Um, and it was really good. People should listen to it. I think that episode is really fun. Uh, you, too, can be wrong about who's the second most popular Pokemon of all time. Many people have been wrong at me in the last couple of days since I put out that episode talking about what's the second most popular Pokemon of all time. I assume it would be Eevee, but I don't know. Uh, the thing is, there's no clear answer. But people just decided to talk about their favorite Pokemon. And I'm sorry, your favorite is not the second most popular. It's not it, my favorite. It's not the second most popular either. I'm just saying everyone decided that they were going to argue about, like, oh, my favorite's better. I'm like, I'm not. the answer is probably Charizard. Probably Charizard. Yeah, it's like probably Charizard. <laughs> Charizard's not my favorite Pokemon. Wouldn't even rank in like top fifty of my favorite guys. Um, Charizard would rank in like top fifty third evolutions, but that's about it. You know? <laughs> Man, that's. A, I mean, there's more than fifty of those, but that is a cursed uh, <laughs> category. 
you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal. Um, if you want to send this podcast to your friends, you can link them to exportodd.io slash Batman. Or you can link them to exportodd.io. That'll take them to the Patreon page where they can give us a dollar a month and get this podcast a week early. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. It's worth it. It's a dollar. You get like a billion podcasts early. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. That's it. Until next time, Batman. Batman.